Hi, and welcome to the GovCon Biz Podcast, where I share my experiences with government contracting. My name is Linda Rawson, and today we are going to be talking about CMMC. Brian Hubbard and I discuss CMMC and what it means to government contractors. I think this episode is amazing. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Linda Rawson, and today on GovCon Biz podcast, I get the pleasure of talking to Brian Hubbard. He works for a company called Edwards Performance Solutions, and he is a cybersecurity expert, and today he's here to talk about CMMC. And so with that, I'll let Brian take the realm. Okay, great. Hi. I, uh, like Linda said, I'm uh, Brian Hubbard um, with uh, Edwards Performance Solutions. We're uh, a woman-owned small business uh, out in uh, Columbia, Maryland. Uh, we've been around for a long time, about 23 years, uh, when uh, Steve Edwards founded the company. And um, I've been with them for about three and a half years, uh, running their uh, as a director of uh, commercial and cybersecurity. Um, so I came to the, you know, came to came to them by from my own company. I started a started a small business about uh, five five years ago. Um, ran it for a couple of years and then uh, hooked up with uh, the the CEO of Edwards Performance Solutions and decided that it was a made sense to merge our company. So they acquired my my organization. That's fantastic. Was it hard to make that move from owning your own company to going back to being a W two? It was, it was um, kind of an interesting um, um, change because, you know, I obviously I was uh, kind of off on my own. And what I realized though, I was uh, heads down uh, working for a client for about three months here in my basement. Um, and uh, I looked up in January, I believe it was, and said, well, this project is about to end and I don't have any more work coming <laughs> because I haven't <laughs> been marketing. Um, so I, I decided I needed to uh, talk to an organization about maybe joining them because um, you know they had the infrastructure and had the uh, you know the the wherewithal to actually sell business while we were working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know I think about that sometimes, and it seems like a tough move. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you learned so much about cybersecurity and in particular CMMC. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those, one of those stories I started in a, in a, in a dirt, dirt port town in, in uh, Dunkirk, Indiana. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, went to Purdue university and, and uh, studied uh, computer science uh, at Purdue um, and just really lucked into my first job. I, I literally lucked into it. Um, saw that NSA was the national security agency was coming to campus to interview. So of course I I didn't know any, I didn't had never heard of it, the National Security Agency so I said well okay I'll sign up so I went and signed up I met the criteria uh, you know I had the grade point average and and interviewed um, got taken out to Baltimore Maryland uh, for an interview and uh, it was the first time I'd ever uh, flown on a jet plane and the first time I'd ever wow. been in a non in a, in a coastal city um, so it was um, certainly an eye opener for a for my, you know, my Hoosier roots. Uh, but anyway, so I got, I got the job at uh, the National Security Agency and started uh, at a, um, in an organization called the National Computer Security Center at the time. It was called that. It, they, you know, 
have went away since uh, the, the, the reorgs and the government. But but uh, yeah, and, and worked there for about uh, five years, studying under some of the luminaries in computer security. I had a real privilege of, of studying under some of the, some of the leaders in the in the field, and then followed them when they left the government. Followed them out to a small business uh, in Maryland, and and um, you know sort of worked with my mentors, and then uh, ended up uh, at Booz Allen after that, um, and uh, worked for Booz Allen for twenty years, uh, leading a big chunk of their cybersecurity business in uh, in the intelligence community. Uh, did that for. For, for 20 years and then uh, moved on to a, another small company, decided I wanted to get back into the you know, small businesses. And uh, so I stepped out of that and went into uh, uh, working at a, an organization and I had got to work with NIST. And uh, in the NIST, uh, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, I guess I should expand NIST. <laughs> but, uh, and I had, the, I had a real luck, again, luck, pure dumb luck, I got involved with a project at NIST um, and had the opportunity to lead a team uh, that was developing, uh, it was a government and contractor team that was working on the development of what became known as the NIST cybersecurity framework. Um, so I, I got the opportunity to facilitate the workshops and help, help with the workshops that were going on nationwide kind of to, to figure out what does, what does industry need in, in this framework that was intended, it was a done under a presidential order under Obama administration, and um, it was really intended to help uh, improve the cybersecurity of critical infrastructure. Um, so it was industry from you know oil and gas, banking, hospitals, you know the whole a very diverse group of folks. We had to think of something. I want to say it was on the order of 4,000 people participating in these workshops across the country as we went throughout the year. We That's had a lot months. of people to keep on track. Yeah, we had 18 months to develop this document. And, and it's and normally to get up to publication with a NIST standard, it's pretty, it's, it's a lot longer than that. Um, and so it was an opportunity to develop this document. It was developed, draft went out, you know, got lots of feedback and we had adjudicated all the reviews. And then it finally, when it finally got published, it actually got rolled out by the White House. Oh wow! So that was that was really cool. Uh, first time I'd ever had, had been on a project, you know, in my career. So it's been sort of a really highlight of my career was to be able to go down to the White to the White House and well, the Executive Office Building, and see the publication be rolled out. By the oh wow! That would be exciting. Yeah, so it was really cool. And so, in, in the, the the nice thing about the tool, the, the the NIST cybersecurity framework, is that it it lays out a way to structure an overall cybersecurity program for a business, and really focused on business risk as opposed to just purely cyber risk. So, treating cyber risk as a business risk is is really critical going forward, so that it helps pe- helps organizations understand what they need to do from a cybersecurity perspective but understand how to do that in their business context. So really to really be able to succeed in business and cyber being an enabler, enabler for that and not just something that, you know, a lot of people have this vision of cybersecurity is all, oh, that's that, that's that thing that makes me not be able to go on Facebook that you know, I can't do this and I can't do that because it's all about cybersecurity. Well, to some extent that might be the case, but, but in reality what cybersecurity is in, in with through the framework you can do is, 
actually design your program in a way that actually facilitates your business success. Because, you know, a small business, especially a small business, can be whacked, you know, by a hacker, <laughs> you know, right. very quickly and put out a business just like that, right? Right. So, you know, if, if you're, uh, and I've, I've known a few businesses uh, that were, say, managed service providers or, or what have you, who didn't pay a lot of attention to their cybersecurity program, got infiltrated, got taken down, and at one, in one case, uh, a story that was publicized about a year or so ago, about uh, 100 nursing homes were taken down. So no patient records could be accessed. Oh, wow. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, from, a, from a managed service provider being attacked. So all of those things go into, uh, you know, sort of what my motivation is, I guess, for, for driving our business here at Edwards. We really focus on the cybersecurity program of businesses and helping them structure that program in a way that actually facilitates them being successful. Um, you know, and that's kind of led, led to all of our service offerings that we provide, everything from, you know, really going in with, with cybersecurity strategy development all the way to uh, penetration testing and analysis. It's really all focused on how well is your cybersecurity program doing in your organization and what do you need to do to continuously improve it. And how do they find out about those programs? What's your website? So our, our website is uh, edwps.com. Uh, so that's short for Edwards, <laughs> edwps.com, <laughs> Edwards Performance Solutions um, uh, is the PS part. Uh, and uh, that's, um, you can go there uh, and see, see all of our capabilities, services. Cybersecurity is just one of the things we do. Uh, we also are a, a program project management shop. We've been doing, that's really where the, the, the core root of Edwards uh, started in uh, the project program management space, as well as training and development. So we do a lot of training with respect to uh, project and program management. In fact, we have, we're a, a PMI, um, I uh, forget what the new acronym they just started, uh, but it's, it's one of their training partners with uh, the Pro Project Management Institute. Yeah, I think it's PMP, but I'm not positive. Oh, well, PMP, PMP is the certification, and I have ah, one of those. Okay. <laughs> but PMP is the certification, but the, uh, the training program that we're a, we're a re we used, it used to be called a regis registered education partner, um, REP. But now it's called something else. I'm sorry, oh, I, forget, okay. I, forget what it, I forget what that program is called with, with PMI now. But anyway, in, what it means is that we can actually teach PMI uh, uh, course, courses that are PMI uh, accredited. They're good for uh, uh, credits within the PMI structure. Oh, good. Yeah. I didn't treat that very eloquently, but <laughs> it's not my main focus. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. We're good. Yeah. The more real you are, the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the four-letter acronym that's on everyone's mind. Ah, yes. And that would be uh, CMMC, yes. in case you were thinking about another four-letter acronym. <laughs> but that seems to be the government contractors, you know, up-and-coming thing that they want to get. Yeah, absolutely. And and it is coming along. So CMMC stands for the Cybersecurity uh, Maturity uh, Model Certification. Um, and it's a um, new standard, if you will, that, that, that the DOD has initiated. And it's really um, an evolution 
uh, more than it is a, a new thing. It's really an evolution of, of something that was already required. It's been required since 2017 in contracts. And that's the, um, uh, um, the DFARS clause that requires compliance with uh, a NIST standard called NIST 800-171. Um, and what was happening with that and the DFARS clause was it was really a self-attestation. So um, that the companies were asked, do I, do you comply? And by signing the contract, you're saying, yes, I do comply uh, with the NIST 800 So of course, what did everyone do? They signed. I comply. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and what the DOD realized over the last couple of years was that didn't improve cybersecurity and the defense industrial base one iota. You know, so everybody was still wide open. Basically, you could comply by, even if you were compliant, all you had to do to comply was do a self-assessment and put together a plan of action and milestones that said, here's how I'm going to fix all my holes. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to actually fix them. You just had to have a plan to fix them. So um, a lot of that uh, attestation was going on, and it was really still holes were left wide open, and the information was still flying out of the dip into um, places where we didn't want that information to go. Uh, so CMMC, uh, the whole uh, ecosystem around CMMC that's being developed is really intended to be a harder line, right? So the DOD is going to require in the in the DFARS, as they update this clause, the DFARS clause, they're going to require CMMC compliance at least to a level one. So all 300,000 defense industrial based members, um, basically everybody that wants to do business or you know does business with the DOD or aspires to do business with the DOD is going to have to comply with CMMC. And, and we've the, noticed it. It was yeah. in the 8A STARS 3 solicitation. Right. And the interesting thing is that's not even a, G, a DOD contract, right? Yeah. So that's a, a GSA contract. So GSA uh, jumped the gun a little bit on DOD and put that in their, in their, in their which is good because it raised awareness. Right. Uh, we're getting lots and lots of calls from STARS 3 uh, com, um, competitors, I guess you would say, to, that need help. Uh, and figuring out what this means to them. So, and um, so CMMC, the whole infrastructure around CMMC, you know, it's intended to, companies will have to uh, certify, get certified by an independent third party. It's called a, a, a C3PIO, which stands for a Certified Third Party Assessment Organization. So they'll have to contract with a C3PIO to come out and essentially do it sounds kind of like audit. that Star Wars, like Star Wars. Yeah, C C three PO. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully, we're not at we're not as geeky as that guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but when when uh, so when you get audited, right? So um, that costs money, and the companies are going to have to have to invest and in, and in spend the money to to get ready for that audit, and then pay pay an auditor to come in and audit them. Um, now the DoD is is providing for these being allowable costs, which basically means you can build it into your rates and recover the costs over time. Now yeah, there's pros and cons to that, right? I mean, right. That's small businesses don't really want to put their rates higher. Right. You don't win <laughs> you, with high rates. You don't win with high rates. So <laughs> saying it's an allowable cost does kind of mocks next, and it really doesn't matter. Um, so um, let's see what else about CMMC. So. The most critical thing with, with it is to be ready because, like I said, 
in starting um, later this fall. So um, I believe the target is sometime in October, November to have the DFARS clause. Changed. Yeah, I think I believe so too. We'll, I think we can look it, it up. It was originally August. Now it's you know because of COVID, it's moved. Um, but it's um, contracts will start start having it um, in the early 2021. So the ex expectation is that kind of it'll start showing up in contracts in, in early 2021. So over a five year cycle, so they're interested, you know, in the five year award cycle, you know, the, the of, of contracts, they expect all DOD contractors over five years to become certified. Uh, so what that means is there's 300,000 companies that have to get certified in five years. That's a lot of companies to get certified in five years. So if you aren't ready, when you go and ask for a certification, you get in queue, right? With the, the limited resource, which is going to be the C3PAOs are going to be a limited resource. Um, you get in queue to get an assessment. If you aren't ready and you fail the first time, not only do you get to pay them again to come back, but you have to get in queue again. So if you have a contract coming up, say in six months, nine months, and you aren't ready and you go for an audit and you fail, well, what if you can't get it back in the queue for another nine months? You know, it, it's very possible that, that that could be a limiter for you. So what we're working uh, doing at Edwards is, is working as hard as we can uh, to help as many companies as we can get ready early. Uh, we want, we, you know, it's going to take many companies, it's going to take months to uh, not only to under, to first to understand uh, what, what are their gaps in compliance with CMMC, but then also what do they need to do in remediation to get, to get fully compliant so that they can be certified. Because, hey, you have to be 100% compliant. It's not like pre previous 800-171 where you could just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this over the next couple of years. <laughs> that doesn't work. That doesn't fly. That's not allowed. You have to be 100% compliant uh, in order to be certified. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a daunting thing. Although when I looked at the requirements, especially for level one, it's really not that bad. Yeah, level one, level one is only 17 practices. Um, it's talked about as, you know, basic cyber hygiene. Um, some folks in the DOD like to say, oh, everybody does that. Well, I'm here to tell you they don't. <laughs> uh, you know, there's many companies that we work with that, that if they had to certify today against level one, they wouldn't be able to do it. Well, um, isn't one of the most basic things just two-factor authentication? Well, I mean, so that's a pretty basic thing and, and other basic things are, you know, virus scanning and, and, and making sure that your, your systems are configured correctly. That's sometimes a more daunting challenge than you might think, um, you mm -hmm. know, making sure that those, those systems are up to stuff. It's not that hard. I mean, especially for small businesses who work with an MSP, that's, but it's one of those factors you need to build into your MSP contract. And say, hey, um, I, my system has to be protected in this way. If I have um, um, federal contract information (FCI), which is you know appropriate for level one, I have to uh, be able to protect that information. So, mm -hmm. how are you protecting me, MSB? You know, how are you, what are the processes you have in place? What are you doing for me? How are you helping me get my systems up to snuff? My my PCs, my laptops, you know, my uh, cell phones, um, if I'm going to be processing information on those. 
you know, how are you protecting me? How are we doing this? And, and make sure it's a team effort because the company is responsible, not the MSP. <laughs> you know, the, so if the DOD, you know, stops doing business, they're not going to, they don't care if you, if this is the MSP's fault that you don't comply. Right. Right. It's, you're the one that's going to lose business. So you have to make sure that it's in your contracts with those MSPs. And what we're finding, um, so level one is great, is, is the entry point, right? So every contractor has to be at least level one. Level three is really the, the next true break point uh, because level two is, is sort of an intermediate thing that they don't expect any contracts to require level two. They expect them to go right to level three. Level three is when you're processing a controlled unclassified information. Um, so in the old, old terminology, right, if, you, if you're in a contract and you're getting for official use only data um, or have gotten it on your contracts, that's CUI. Okay, so that's, that's one, of the, one of the many categories of CUI. And so if the government's labeling it that way, you have to protect it that way. And it's um, um, something that you're gonna have to be prepared for. What most of the companies that we're talking to, and this is sort of the, the feel across the industrial base that in, in the, the circles that I've been running in, uh, is that everybody's sort of preparing for level three. You know, while level one is the entry point, um, it's really not a realistic entry point uh, for most companies because most, the one, the contracting officer has to specify what the level is, right? So they're going to have guidelines and and things from the from the acquisition officials in the Pentagon, uh, they're going to have guidelines, which are great, but it's going to be hard for the contract officers, especially on big omnibus contracts, to discern what parts of this contract should I write out of the chute in the RFP, say are going to be level one requirements, what are going to be level three requirements, what are going to be level four or five requirements. Right. Because they're sending out an RFP to industry to, to feedback, right? So they don't know how to specify it. And, and historically, that's kind of been the case. I mean, back in the, in the way back in the 80s, uh, when we used something called the Trusted Computer Security Evaluation Criteria, right? The idea was that was supposed to be built into contracts that were buying uh, large systems. Okay? And every time it defaulted, okay, I won't go into all the levels that that was, but they had a level called B2. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was one step below the biggest the highest highest mark right so that's where everybody went every contract specified you had to have a b2 system even if it didn't make it one lick of sense it, that's what they <laughs> specified right because they didn't know right. any better right and so then it was up to the contractors in negotiation phase or in in, in implementation to argue that you it didn't really need to be b2 or only this piece needs to be and not this piece you know, if I'm, you know, think about it, if, you know, if I'm on a big contract, you know, I'll just make a little wild case, right? If I'm a, if I'm a supplier of toilet paper, right? But I'm coming into the, the, the army through a contract that also builds um, very specialized weapon systems. You know, listen, you know, it's a wild case. It's a made up case, right? But if I'm, if I'm selling through that contract, uh, and have and have the specifications for my toilet paper being coming through that contract, it's liable to get tagged with a, a, a high level requirement for security because of those intelligence systems or those high level systems that are being built through that through that same contract. So um, 
unless the uh, contracting officers are savvy and unless the, the prime contractors uh, do a good job in negotiating with the, with the CEO all along the way, it's going to be very difficult for them to do anything other than a level three. Um, so what's been the most effective way to get awareness about CMMC out there? Yeah. So, um, so, you know, there's been a lot of um, webinars, a lot of press. Uh, we've done a few webinars on it. Um, uh, a lot of, a lot of stuff in the uh, fed biz um, magazines, all the, all the trade, trade magazines and that sort of thing for, for federal businesses. Um, so it means that I'm um, certainly going to this um, CM, if you go to the cmmcab.org uh, website, um, mm-hmm. that's a good source of information about it uh, and, and the whole ecosystem around uh, CMMC. Um, and just, you know, make sure you're immersing yourself in, in the regulation and, and understanding what it is. Um, and, uh, and seek help early. You know, that's <laughs> one of the keys. So how, how are you guys, are you guys authorized to be one of those auditors then? And so what no, was that not yet. And what was yeah, that process so, like? Yeah, so, so we're not yet and neither is it, nobody is. Okay, that's, uh. that's I can't, I, w- I would love to stake the claim that we are, but we are not. Um, we were applied for it. Uh, we plan on being a C3PAO and also a registered provider organization, which is sort of a consulting side of things. And Edwards is also going to also be a trainer. So we're going to train people on it as well. But all of that is still, all that infrastructure, all of that um, sort of ecosystem is still being developed by the CMMC accreditation body. Uh-huh. Um, so they haven't, haven't got to the point that they can actually certify anybody yet. Uh, and is that a commercial body or is that it's a, a, it's a not-for-profit oh, okay but it's it's sort of a a, a not-for-profit that has an it's the only not-for-profit that has an mou with a dod that allows them to do this so they will be the ones that actually uh, give a company the stamp of approval so when the dod goes to find out whether somebody is, a, is certified they will look to the cmmcab for that ah uh. um, to know, to know whether it's true or not. Interesting. And so uh, how many people do you think applied to be auditors? Like thousands? Well, the, last, the last count I had, there were 300 companies. Oh, okay. That's um, not I bad. Know, I don't know about individuals. Um, really to meet the demand, I think the CMMCAB is counting on there being about a thousand C3PAOs mm-hmm. companies to do this. Um, I would love to be Edwards to be number one, but uh, <laughs> I don't, it, it doesn't really matter whether we are or not. We're going to, we're going to help companies on both sides. Things. So if, if we help, help a company um, get ready uh, in order to maintain independence and, and to really have the certification mean something, we cannot actually be then be their auditor. Right. So uh, you can play, right. you can either help a company get ready or you can help a company at the end uh, do the, do the audit. You can't do both. Oh, well, so, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's it, like it does. inspecting your own plane that you worked on. Exactly you know? <laughs> right. Exactly right. Yeah, I'd rather have an independent look at my airplane before I fly it. <laughs> That's right. For sure. <laughs> yeah, or don't get in the plane. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So what have been the biggest challenges so far? With CMMC? Uh-huh. So I think the biggest challenge is, is COVID. For sure, uh, it's delayed a lot of a lot of the process, a lot of the a lot of the uh, 
initiatives. And uh, what happened to you during COVID? What have you been working at home? I have been, yeah. So my whole team has been. Um, it was a pretty easy transition actually for us to just go stay at our houses and, and work remotely. We use Microsoft Teams and, and collaborate every day, um, and kind of keep, keep the keep the team spirit alive there and keep things going. Um, but um, yeah, because of the nature of our work, uh, we can we can work with an organization remotely just uh, easily. The toughest thing when we go out to do an assessment. Um, of an organization, the toughest thing is, um, uh, you know, there's a physical piece of it, you know, so we haven't quite figured that piece out yet, uh, other than we'd have somebody walk around with their cell phone and show us what does the server room security look like, and show, show us your alarm system, show us your fire system, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, but um, um, other than other than that, uh, our business is kind of business as normal. Uh, we can do interviews over the phone, you know, over Teams or over Skype or, or Zoom, whatever mm-hmm. the client wants to use. Um, and that's uh, that makes it pretty straightforward to do. And, and actually, it's, it's easier to schedule. Um, you think about it, normally we would do in-person interviews, in-person discussions. Well, that means, you know, there's a travel time, there's, there's uh, conflicts, there's you go to talk to a client and all of a sudden they get a thousand fire drills running, so they get 15-minute delayed or whatever. Um, right. So the efficiencies around doing this remotely actually make it make it easier. Yeah, well, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. I mean, so, I, um, when I was so my question about, is, okay. a lot of people, uh, my business included, we don't we don't have a server. Like all of our stuff's on the cloud. Right. So does that make it more difficult or easier? Yeah, it really depends. Um, uh-huh. that, that's a very not answer. Um, it's a safe answer though. It depends. Uh, but it really, what makes it depend is, is whether or not if you're processing controlled on classified information, uh, can your okay. cloud service provider protect that information in accordance with the regulations? So there's different ways to do that. Uh, you know, uh, um, probably the easiest button, you know, if you're looking for an easy button, uh, going to the, one of the, one of the FedRAMP approved cloud service providers, Okay. Is the way to is is an easy button as far as making sure that everything is is sort of structured. It's a U.S. U.S. only mm-hmm. um, uh, managed servers. Everything's encrypted. Yada yada yada. All all the all the you know oh, a lot, a lot of things know. come with that. So you know that helps. If it's not, you have some more work to do. You have to make <laughs> sure that your cloud service provider is actually is doing things according with the regulations. You have to make sure that your agreements with them are in, in place and, and help let you have the insight into what they're doing um, and how they're managing your data. And then um, for level three, you're going to have to have services provided that actually monitor uh, the performance of the system uh, so that you understand whether you know, something bad is happening uh, hmm. within your systems as well. So, oh, good. Yeah. So let's... Uh... Let's get a little personal. I, I always like to know what people are about. Um, sure. So what do you do for fun? I work. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great fun. Uh, no, I, I, um, I, have, uh, I have two uh, grandkids um, uh-huh. and uh, have a great time with them uh, swimming in the pool. And uh, I also, uh, uh, although I haven't done it in a while, I love to get out and golf. Um, and, uh, and shop for boats. 
I'm oh. Like, you know, <laughs> and I say shop for boats, so I'm window shopping. Uh, but that's that's uh you know it'll feed my dream of retirement someday so. you're gonna you retire to a yacht that's my plan <laughs> i don't know if my wife agrees with that but i certainly do <laughs> <laughs> um so obviously covid you shifted from an office to home did you have right. any challenges with motivation it sounds like you really love what you do so it's no problem but yeah I, I really love what i do and and um you know, enjoy working with companies and helping them out. And, uh, and I have a great team. I mean, I, you know, my kudos to my, my team. Um, I'd love to take credit for all of them, but some of them came one, you know, came with 35 years of experience and just like me. And, and uh, I just was lucky to grab them. Uh, others, we, we uh, hired right out of college, other members of our team, and, and they, they're just uh, rock stars. And, uh, and everybody's super motivated. Uh, we've had an opportunity during COVID, even though we've had some downtimes, Right, because of uh, you know people just not really knowing what to do or or not you know waiting on on to see the fallout of COVID before they buy services um, because they weren't even sure where they where they would need the services. <laughs> are they going to need them at their home? Are they going to need them in the office? Where are they gonna, you know that sort of thing. So so there was been some downtime, but it, during that downtime, we actually were able to to uh, make a lot of progress and build some really good assessment processes and tools. Uh, that really in, make uh, our efficient our process much more efficient. Yeah, I've heard a lot of positive things come out of COVID. I mean, it's it's also a scary virus, but there really has been a lot of um, really being able to clarify your future and getting your you know goals and your niches and being able to to really market effectively. Right. So there's been there's been you know and some also some tea team cohesiveness because you are having to not meet in person so to meet to make sure all of your you know conversations are carried online to you know towards the common goal yeah absolutely so what's your favorite business tool or resource well, I'll tell you, lately it's been uh, Microsoft Teams, I, and I'm not a Microsoft fan. Don't get me wrong. What? <laughs> Microsoft Teams <laughs> is uh, has been a, has been a real boom uh, for us because we've been able to really do a lot of a great collaboration amongst the team, uh, and even with our clients. Um, and when we're doing some large systems, uh, normally you have to set up some artificial um, server in order to get artifacts and things from the assessment and serve it. And you know, if if they're a Microsoft Team shop, they can just set up a Microsoft Team, invite us in as guests, and we can go in, and all the data stays with the client, uh, and we can just go in and be a part of their team. So it's a um, it's a great tool. That's a great tool. I've really and and we've been starting to see a lot more improvement in it. Uh, COVID. That's the other thing COVID has done. It actually kicked um, because of products like Zoom, which we're on right now you know, it's kicked Microsoft in the behind. And the, so they got, a, they got a lot of things out on Teams and really improved their, their, that product quite a bit over the last six months. So it's... it's yeah, yeah, I was, I, I definitely at first was wondering, the audio wasn't great. Uh, yeah. There's still some things like, if you share your screen, the audio goes silent. I mean, right. so right. there is still some things, I'm sure some kinks that they're working out, but it gets yeah. better and better. Yeah, we've had pretty good luck with it. The only my biggest gripe is that you can only have nine windows. Oh, nine squares. Well, that is squares. a big gripe. 
I love yeah. Windows. <laughs> yeah, right. I and like to have like 25 tabs open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, no, I mean within the, uh, like a call. Right. Yeah, you can, have, you can have nine people on the call and see their pictures. Yep, that's, that's nice. Yeah, it's a down. <laughs> well, it depends yeah. on what they're doing. Like maybe they that's don't right. want to show their picture. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> luckily all my team turns on their cameras. <laughs> so tell me about that jersey in the background. Oh, that's a, a Ray Lewis Pro Bowl jersey. Uh, so we're Ravens fans here because we're in Maryland. What? Yeah, gotta love the Ravens. And uh, actually, that belongs to my oldest son, um, who his house right now is is uh, he doesn't have a space for it that his his wife will let him put it. So it's still hanging here in my uh, in my basement in my basement office. So sounds like his loss. <laughs> that's right. Hey, I'll keep it. That's fine. <laughs> Someday he'll come and get it, and I'll have a big uh, spot on my wall I need to fill. Okay, well, I think we're just about ready to wrap up. Uh, do you want to tell them your website again? Sure. It's um, uh, edwps.com. Uh, and um, just to, wanted to talk about uh, a little bit, of, you know, back on CMMC, um, we actually, you know, I mentioned that we developed some really cool processes during COVID. Uh -huh. One of them was we realized that small businesses really needed a way to get started cost effectively uh, with CMMC and they couldn't afford to have a full-blown assessment uh, when they don't even know where to start and have somebody come out and do a $20,000, $30,000 assessment for them just is not feasible. <laughs> so <laughs> we've designed a way to do a, a, what we call a CMMC quick look. For a level one, it ends up being it's $2,500. And for level three, it's $5,000. And that helps, it provides a pretty robust support, a uh, robust report that actually gives you a plan of action and milestones of what, what and a roadmap of what to do and, and how to get fill your gaps uh, based on a questionnaire that we send you online. So it is a very fast and efficient way to, uh, to really understand what your uh, next steps are with respect to CMMC. Um, and so, so companies that are taking advantage of that are really getting a leg up uh, to try to try to get their process started. And then once you guys become certified auditors, then they're, you know, a shoe in, right? They're in the Correct. queue. Well, well, I can't say they're a shoe in, right? I mean, obviously, they're, it, we <laughs> tell them what to do. And, and you know, if we're in there helping them, I'm, I'm hoping we're helping them correctly and the, they will get you know, certified. So, yes, absolutely. <laughs> And, and so Brian, how can they get a hold of you? Um, are you on LinkedIn? I am. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, okay. And also uh, my email is uh, uh, bhubbard at uh, edwps.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure today. You are very knowledgeable and very fun. I, I've enjoyed our conversation a lot. Yeah, I have too. And is there... Would you like to say anything else, or? Uh, no, uh, actually, you know, there is a, um, a landing page for that quick look that I talked about, uh -huh. and it's uh, edwps-cmmc.com. And if you go there, there's a landing page. You can put in your information uh, and um, and see see a, a sample document and a, and a short demo um, video will be up there, and um, and then we'll reach out to you and find out how we can help you. Perfect. We'll post that link in the comments. Great. For sure. Great. All right. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure and I hope that you learned more about CMMC 
And I look forward to more conversations with Brian, especially once they become an auditor, which should be shortly. I'm hoping. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Linda. Hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, the book recommendations, links, courses, and items that were discussed are referenced in the comments of this episode. Make sure you subscribe to our channel, leave a comment, give us five-star ratings, of course, and reviews. We can make an impact to people wanting to learn about government contracting.